Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello, and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as we are still in the middle middle of uh, COVID-19 and Things shut down as we know it as far as on campus and spring football and recruiting. But, guys, we did get, uh, I would, I'd call it a glimmer of hope um, as, you know, some of the major sports leagues have started to, to move forward as to what is next, particularly uh, PGA Golf, which plans to begin playing as early as June um, in, in front of no people. But we know um, three of the four major golf events have rescheduled and um, come up with new dates, including the Masters will be played now in November. Um, but the, the British Open remains canceled at this point. But then Major League Baseball is kind of developing or trying to find a plan of how and when to play. And you know, I think the one out there that makes the most sense is they're going to maybe possibly play all the games in a place like Phoenix um, where there's 13 ballparks um, plus the dome where the Diamondbacks play and um, you could play multiple games a day inside there as well. So um, we're at least seeing some chatter, some movement. Um, and from our perspective, guys, we care about college football. And I, I think if these events go off and you know things go well, preventive measures are, are done to make sure things go well, um, that's very good news for college football. Yeah, I mean, you take any uh, positive uh, <laughs> direction as you possibly can get at this point. But uh, the difference between professional sports and college is so big uh, in the sense that college sports can't go until the universities allow people on campus. And until uh, you know, in-class or in-person classes are resumed, I don't know how you can expect student athletes to come back to campus and, and play a sport, especially when you're trying to consider them amateurs. Like it, uh, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of dominoes that still need to fall that go beyond just what sports do, uh, because you know of the the public aspect of universities. And so hopefully things progress, and you know those sports are able to function uh, without hitch, and more and more dominoes continue to fall to get this thing back to normal but i think um, probably of all the sports college football in particular is probably going to be the last one um, that gets cleared to go when, when all said and done yeah, i think the good thing about it is that if you know the, these you know pga the major league baseball if they go well it's kind of a dry run and i think that um if this goes well and and uh, you know if, that it uh, it's not spreading or or whatever um, I think that that can, um, you know, people in college football or at the universities and um, and all these different institutions can look at that and say, OK, well, um, that's it's working for them. We can we can now kind of come up with our own plan and figure out a way to make this work, because uh, I mean, they I mean, they've got to figure out some sort of way to make it work. And I think pretty much right now everything's on on the table. But. Um, you know, if this goes well, I think it would be it'd make it a lot easier. I think, guys, the elephant in the room, though, remains fans. And, and how do you manage? What do you do? Is it no fans? Is it just fan friends and family on the pass list? Is it just some fans, a lottery system where only X amount of people can go in the stadium, but donors and boosters of substance would get priority? I mean, and you hate to say it, but that would be that would have to be how they would do something like that if they did something with only some fans allowed in to have spacing in the stadium um, and, and things like that, those will be tough conversations um, if it got to that point. I'm not saying it is going to get to that point. I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but, you know, Nebraska, I know this week um, because they, they posted screenshots of some of their Zoom meetings they had um, with the Husker Athletic Fund, and you looked at the, the faces on there and the top boosters have already been on these Zoom calls with the – Husker Athletic Fund just to getting updates of as to what's going on, um, and you know a lot of recognizable big business owner faces on that those calls. So I'd be curious to know what they're telling them. I know they address the facility. Um, I still believe 
Nebraska's facility guys will will begin. Um, I, I can tell you construction companies like Hausman who are building the site, they are full speed ahead still on all of their projects. They're working on all their projects right now. Obviously, there are different mandates and spacing and, and things they have to do on construction sites that are different. Uh, but COVID, uh, with COVID-19, construction is one thing that hasn't stopped. Um, in fact, in my neighborhood alone, I mean, I saw three holes get dug yesterday. Mm. Um, I mean, those guys are working as hard as anybody, um, you know, as far as what's going on in the world. So uh, I am not necessarily worried that Nebraska's project will get pushed back, but I'm just, I'll be more interested in what they do with fans and, and how that's addressed. I think right now uh, I would find it hard to believe that they're going to pack 80 90,000 people into a stadium I mean I just don't know how that's feasible <laughs> and uh, especially with that short of a window but I do think there are many ways they could figure out how to play the games broadcast them nationally on television uh, to where even if there are limited fans or whatever it may be you know the, the games can still be played and people can still watch but uh, I still think that we're far removed from it being a normal Nebraska football game day where you know you you have you know, people basically wedged onto some benches, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, that just seems like the most counterproductive thing given the current situation. Yeah, and you're mixing young and old and, and you know, kids and what I mean. I mean, uh, yeah, it seems like not a smart decision. Um, and who knows, maybe things could change drastically right. between now and then uh, that would change uh, my stance on that at least. But um, <clears throat> as far as the, the donors go, I mean, I if they if there is football in the fall and and you own a skybox, um, I mean I would imagine that you would be able to to go into the skybox and let you know and if there's ten or less people in there um, and and be able to to watch the football game. Though I mean I think that I mean I, I'd have I'd be upset. I know if I was a skybox owner and you know and you could limit that to ten people or less. And they said, "Sorry, we're going to play, but you can't. You can't come enjoy the skybox that you're paying for." That, I know that would upset me. And the skybox holder pays between a hundred and one hundred and fifty thousand a year um, for you know the the bigger boxes. Now there's some smaller ones on the east side now that only hold eight or twelve, but the the traditional boxes hold twenty, and the corners the corner boxes hold over forty. I mean, those are big, big party deck skyboxes. Um, so yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, what, honestly, what would you guys do? Would, uh, let's say there is a restriction. Do you just do player passless, family passless only, or do you have a lottery system, um, developed like, okay, our configuration would allow us to have this many people six feet apart in the stadium and season ticket holders will be in a lottery and you will get four games out of the seven as a season ticket holder. That's one theory or idea you could go. I mean, I'm just curious mm -hmm. what would be the best way if they had to go that route. Yeah, I mean, either way, you're looking at a logistical nightmare. I mean, trying to figure that out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of upset people. Uh, there's going to be a lot of backlash with that of who gets in and who doesn't. Um, but, you know, I think first and foremost, you just got to concentrate on playing the games. And I think fans, as long as they can watch it on TV, for the most part, will be, you know, you know, at least accepting of the, the situation. But um, as far as how you bring in fans, I mean, I don't know if there is a right answer because no matter what, there's going to be drawbacks. Yeah, I don't think there is a right answer. I mean, um, if anything, I would say you, you wouldn't be able to get too upset if they open it up to, you know, friends or family or, or just family only. So at the, the state players. tournament, they did that, obviously, with, yeah. with basketball. And you know, it was weird, uh, especially in PBA, you know, 16,000 seat arena with a few hundred people in it. But uh, it's still, you know, you still had a, a vibe of, you know, an a game atmosphere. You know, the Because the, the, the most intense fans right. were there. The fans that were there made it at least, especially that championship game. I mean, you know, it, it felt like a, a normal high school game. So, you know, I think that that's one way where, you know, the you leave it up to the schools to decide who gets in or the programs yeah. decide who gets in. And that way, I think probably less people would get mad because, you know, you need a direct connection to be able to go come to the game and take that risk something yeah. to watch too nate will be the season tickets you know typically i believe in may is when nebraska opens up the seat yourself i'll have to look at yeah. the exact date on that and you know the open tickets become available do you just stop that right now and say all right we're not even going to allow any ticket movement new ticket holders to come in because you may need to hold off those new ticket holders because you know you're going to be probably potentially losing some capacity if there's a way that fans are allowed in this year. Yeah, I don't know. Um, my my gut tells me that they wouldn't, that they would leave it open but have some sort of, you know. No guarantee. Yeah, no guarantee or 
um, you know, have some sort of clause in there that says, "Hey, look, you know, given the current the current situation, um, you know, this this is all subject to change." And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it, going back to like the lottery system, I mean, if you've had season tickets in your family for fifty years, and you know, and you didn't win the lottery, you didn't get into you know have the chance to go into the game that would that would upset me so i just i don't see how a lottery system would work but um as far as the season tickets i i bet you they still open them up but have some sort of clause on there yeah and we'll we'll learn more as we've learned each week throughout this process and guys um vegas also gave us some glimmers of hope they release over under win totals um we're going to discuss that next here you're listening to the husker online show You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I watch it, Nate Klaus. Guys, uh, last segment I said we got some glimmers of hope of college football happening with pro golf and Major League Baseball kind of announcing uh, maybe what their plans are going to be and leave it to the casinos. They're not open right now um, anywhere really in the country that I know of. Um, so they're... They're not making money. They're not. Um, you're not losing money to them. But they did announce the over unders um, for college football in 2020, and uh, this is according to Caesars Palace uh, or the Caesars Hotel chain. Um, and guys, for the Big Ten Conference, Nebraska set at six and a half wins. I think uh, we've talked in length about this. The first seven games, Nebraska is probably going to be favored. And six of them, maybe all seven of them. And then the final five, they might be dogs in all five games. It's hard to say. Um, but any disagreements with that? I mean, that's probably about where we all had it, I think. Um, I think all of us said, hey, Nebraska's probably a six to seven win team today. And that's exactly where Caesars has it right now. Yeah. And I, I think it all comes back to uh, if they're able to do what um, hopefully they're able to do in the first half of that schedule, then uh, that's where you stockpile your wins. And if you can sprinkle in, you know, one or two more. Uh, then you're eight maybe. over the back half then yeah then then you're well over but um you know i mean there's it all starts with week one i mean being able to win that purdue game at home you win that suddenly i mean you're rolling into central michigan you're rolling into south dakota state you got another home game against cincinnati and then your first road game is at northwestern i mean that's doable i mean but again it's kind of like last year going to that colorado game we kind of looked at that as like that real tipping point game where if that goes the way that you, you hope, it, it sets everything up going forward. And uh, for Nebraska to get to a bowl game, those first five games will ultimately define what the season is. Yeah, and they've got to have major momentum heading into that final stretch run too because, um, you know, I, I feel like if they do have momentum there, they would have a chance to maybe sneak one or two sure. that they were not favored in. Uh, but, yeah, the six-and-a-half line I think is, is uh, you know – Perfect. I mean, that's going to get it's going to get action on both sides. I think that um, because we've all said six to seven, so six and a half. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the line that's going to get action on on both sides. And uh, bottom line is, it looks like Vegas thinks Nebraska is going to go bowling, which is a huge deal for the program. Yeah, that's the first step. Yeah, you guys look at looking at the 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 lines. There's five teams on the over unders with win totals in the Big Ten over nine. Nebraska plays four of those five teams. The only one they don't play is Michigan. Uh, Minnesota is at nine. Wisconsin's at nine and a half. So those are your two favorites right now in the West. And I, I think that makes sense. I mean, when Minnesota returns a ton off their great team from a year ago. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. Uh, they do play Notre Dame though in Lambeau. Um, so they do have a tough non-conference slate this year um, with that game on there. Ohio State, I think, has the highest maybe in the country right now. They're at over under eleven. I mean, that, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's yeah. pretty. Uh, I mean, Alabama's at ten and a half. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know if anybody's higher than Ohio State. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen Clemson's number. If you guys could look up what Clemson yeah. is, uh, but I can't imagine Clemson's much higher than ten and a half or eleven either. Let's um, see. I got it right here. Clemson is eleven and a half. Oof, that just tells you. And, you know, the ACC is down. I mean, a lot of people think the Big 12 is a lower Power 5 league. The ACC, um, you know, is, is to me, the lowest of the Power 5 when you take out Clemson. I mean, so that that makes sense uh, top to bottom. But Northwestern's at 5.5. I'll tell you which one I'm going to say won't happen. Indiana at 7.5. I just do not see the Hoosiers winning 7.5. And here's why. Their strength coaches both left to go to Alabama. 
So right now, during this whole COVID-19 crisis, they don't even have their coaches in place, um, a full handle on what's going on, strength and conditioning. And I know no one does, but the fact that they're going to be going through a strength and conditioning transition during this, um, I don't know. I, I think Indiana is not going to be a seven and a half plus win team. Well, and their new strength coach is from the Giants, and the Giants have been trash, so <laughs> go figure. Uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't seven and a half. That's a lot. I mean, to protect Indiana, a team that you know has barely like been able to get to bowl games. But the East history. is bad. Like the, the, the bottom of the East is bad. Yeah, it's a top heavy. Yeah, division. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah, you got Michigan State at four and a half. Maryland, Rutgers two and a half. Yeah, Maryland at three and a half. So yeah, okay, I can see that. So you just kind of naturally stockpile some wins there. But um, what are their their crossover games? Is what yeah, tell the story. I don't know. I don't have the schedule. Well, they always have Purdue. That's yeah. a guaranteed crossover game, and Purdue's a um, Purdue five said five. Yeah. So they're favored. They're essentially getting four Big Ten wins automatically, according to Vegas. And then their non-conference schedule, I'm guessing, is three. So they they open at Wisconsin. Then they have Western Kentucky and Ball State at home at UConn. So, so they got so yeah. I guess that's doable. They're they're at seven right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the seven and a yeah. half. Because they have three non-con games, they're gonna be double-digit favorites in, and then all four Big Ten games. They get Purdue at home, they get Illinois at home, they got Michigan State at home, they got Maryland at home. That's a pretty favorable schedule. Yeah, so is. that I'm sure is where that line is coming from. What are we just sitting here questioning Vegas for, guys? Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Penn State. I've, nine. Learned, I've learned that the hard way yeah, way exactly. too many times. Penn State nine and a half, Michigan nine. Now Nebraska doesn't play Michigan, but Penn State. That tells you right now. Uh, Wisconsin and Penn State are looked at by the the guys in the desert as the top, the next best teams in the league after Ohio State. Yeah, and Minnesota right behind them. But yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, we, you talked about it. The West is going to be tough, but uh, clearly, you know, Wisconsin, even with losing what they're losing, I mean, their their line's taking a hit. Uh, obviously, losing Jonathan Taylor, um, but you know, those guys always reload. And then Minnesota, they've they've got something going right there. So um, Nebraska's got its work cut out for it to get to six and a half, but. Like I said, that first half of the schedule, those first five or six games, if they can take care of business, I think that is a definitely attainable number. If you could take the under on one of these teams and kind of <laughs> be uh, be happy to see that happen, who would it be? Mm. I think Wisconsin, just because yeah. it just kind of it gets old, you know, just keep continuing to hear they do it just like Nebraska used to do it. They just reload and. <laughs> Plug in guys and do whatever. I mean, it's just like, okay, eventually it's going to run out. They keep losing assistance. They've lost some darn good NFL players. Like, I get they do a good job of what they do, but uh, I mean, you would think at some point in time they'd have to have. There's a seven and five in there. Yeah, some sort of dip. What about Michigan at nine? They open at Washington. I've kind of come full circle on hardball. I mean, I, I almost to the point it's like people are so hard on him that like, I kind of want to root for him just because people just continually trash on the guy. And I get it. He hasn't lived up to the expectations. Mainly he hasn't beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. But Michigan's kind of stuck. They can't get rid of hardball. I, I mean, where would they go? Yeah. Matt, Matt Campbell? I don't know. Yeah. And so their schedule is okay. I mean, they're at Ohio State. They're at Minnesota. And obviously at Washington. Um so, but they do get Wisconsin at home. They got Penn State at home. So we'll see. I mean, that that, that nine win I think is you know doable. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of over Michigan. Yeah, I'm over Michigan too. What the thing that bugs me about Michigan is how well they recruit, but yet they're never. Yes. You know they're never a. a they're always like a top ten team in the recruiting rankings, but yet they're they, hardly ever you know in, in the, the top twenty. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They have they, so much and don't do exactly. A lot with it. But yet they their clout never get never takes a hit. Really, it's their quarterback development too under Harbaugh. That was supposed to be what he was yeah. going to be good at. I mean, you look at what he did with Colin Kaepernick in the NFL and what he did at Stanford with Andrew Luck, and you know that was supposed to be his separating thing at Michigan. And he had to take Shea Patterson, and I mean that. Let's face it, that wasn't good. And you know McCaffrey. Um, and Eason and some of these big recruits. I mean, I, I still think McCaffrey can end up being really good there. Um, but is he the starter? I mean, is that basically what everybody? I think he's the odds-on favorite to win the job. Because I saw something where he's already being listed as a preseason Heisman Trophy Dylan, candidate. Guy. Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan McCaffrey. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think he did pretty well when he got in. The William year. Hill Sportsbook listed, listed him among 40 Heisman Trophy contenders, putting him at 75-1 to 1 odds, wow. which are the 26th best odds overall. 
you worry about his concussion. I mean, that yeah, that hit he scary. took last year, um, if he got another concussion, I mean, it could be pretty scary. Yeah, we were saying the same things about Adrian last year, too. So, you know, you got to take all those preseason stuff for what they're worth. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it, just to have these numbers out at least gives you something to look at and kind of – and I don't think any of them are that far off. I mean, we look at the Big Ten, and, I mean, I think most of us agree with the numbers. Iowa at seven, I thought maybe Iowa would sneak a seven and a half, maybe an eight. Um, but, you know, they're losing a lot. They lost their quarterback. They're losing their best D lineman, their best O lineman. Two of the best offensive linemen in the country. Yep. So you look at Iowa, I mean, they're kind of like Wisconsin, how they operate. But Vegas is saying that they do see Iowa dropping off this year. Yeah. But, you know, it's Iowa. So basically, seven, five, eight, and four. <laughs> They'll get to go to New Year's Kirk Day, Prince. Tampa Bowl. They'll game. be in the Outback Bowl with the Bloomin' Onion, playing Mississippi. And, and everything's all right. <laughs> we'll get to see our friend Tom Caker's pictures uh, on the beach with yeah. his family again uh, in Tampa. Yeah. And that, that they get, I mean, they, they love it. I mean, I, I would love to go to Tampa right now. Oh, I'd like to go to a bowl game. A bowl. How about that? <laughs> Anywhere. Detroit. Yeah, let's start with El Paso. I want to go to El Paso. I'm really mad the Big Ten dumped that. I wanted a trip to El Paso. I'm glad that it didn't happen when we were younger. We, we would have went to Juarez. Yeah, that, that could have probably ended very badly for us. So now that we're old and boring, we're probably a lot safer. Especially after I just watched the last episode of Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah. Just don't watch Narcos before you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk Nebraska basketball. They added another player this week, a transfer. Surprise. Robin's going to give us his thoughts on that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett talking Nebraska basketball recruiting as we kind of knew this. I mean, a year ago we got a taste of it when Fred Hoiberg was hired with Matt Aldamazi, kind of the blueprint, the plan. And we joked that Robin's going to become the busiest recruiting writer on the Husker Online staff. And when the whole world is essentially shut down, the whole country, not basketball recruiting, as uh, Nebraska basketball adds Robin uh, what is to be another impressive transfer from Pitt. And there's potentially more news coming. Break us down on all, break down all the latest. Yeah, so last weekend on Saturday, uh, Trey McGowan's uh, sophomore, I guess junior to be, uh, point guard from Pittsburgh, um, announced he answered the transfer portal a couple weeks ago. And Nebraska um, immediately got involved, and um, they emerged as one of the front runners from the very start. And that eventually ended up into a commitment to where, um, you know, right now he's a sit-out transfer, but uh, sounds like Nebraska's going to try and appeal for a waiver for him. But um, whenever he's eligible, I mean, he is a six-foot-four, uh, upwards of 190-pound, big, athletic, explosive point guard that uh, really fits the perfect mold of what Fred Hoiberg wants at that point guard spot. Um, you know, he really thrives in transition. And one of the biggest reasons why he left Pittsburgh uh, was because of uh, pace of play. I mean, he didn't think that Pittsburgh's system was conducive to um, not only showcasing his skill sets, but allowing him to put himself in pos uh, position to get to the next level. And, you know, a perfect example of that, Pitt ranked 308th in adjusted offensive tempo last year. Nebraska rated 16th. And so that was one of the major selling points. But more than anything, it was the connection with Matt Abdelmasi. Um, he recruited uh, Trey uh, when he was coming out of high school in 2018 to St. John's. And St. John's was probably number two on his list when all was said and done. So there was already an established relationship there. And with kind of the world being what it is and the inability to take visits or make in-person contact, it's about who do you know, who do you trust, that ultimately is defining uh, guys' decisions right now. And so that got Nebraska, like I said, uh, in the door immediately, and it didn't take long for them to seal the deal. Now he's a sit-out, though? As of now, yes. But uh, when I interviewed him, he said that, I mean, he had a, like, it was no-brainer that they were going to apply for a waiver. And I think part of that is that everybody is just kind of assuming that it's going to be chaos for the NCAA this offseason to where – waivers are going to be handed out like candy and so you know why not as long as you have a, a good compliance compartment that really yeah you know, and so knows. but i don't know what his case would be otherwise um i mean he left on his own terms there wasn't anything dramatic that led to his departure from pittsburgh he has no connection to nebraska and so you know i mean you know whatever his case would be normally i don't think it would be nearly strong enough but Given, you know, kind of the, the way of the world right now, I think they're at least going to try and see if maybe they can capitalize on some leniency with the NCAA hardship waiver. Well, and we're, there's a chance, too, Robin, that we could see a free one-time transfer rule go yes. into place here before the season starts. Well, that's going to be voted on in June, but most people 
assume that it's not going to be put into place until, until the, next year. the 2021 22 season so uh yeah i mean i don't think that'll impact him and you know that'll as we talked with matt abdomazi last week you know that'll kind of change up how they approach things but as of how it relates to trey mcgowan's it's it will not apply that's going to be freaking nuts oh yeah i mean yeah. it's already nuts but would you say it will the transfer movement will double with I mean, that rule here's the deal though it might and we're already talking about a transfer portal that has about 800 names right now and so like it's already crazy and now you're uh, eliminating the uh, inconsistency with the NCAA to where you're not trying to say, here's our case. We hope the NCAA will give us a, you know, a, a, a waiver where you got guys that are moving home to be with a sick parent that get denied a waiver. And you get a guy that's, you know, didn't get a starting job that does get a waiver. Like there's no rhyme or reason for how the NCAA operates. So as Fred Hoiberg says, if you're going to do it, make it a clean sweep across the board where everybody gets one free pass. And after that, then you have to sit out and you do it either where everybody has to sit out or everybody gets to play right away. Now, Robin, there's more coming now. I mean, they're not done here. What's the what's the next move to watch for Nebraska basketball? So they still have one open scholarship remaining for next season. And, uh, you know, I've been very vocal about my thought that that will go to Adama Sinogo, uh, the uh, center out of uh, Patrick School out in New Jersey, four-star, top 50 player. Now, here's the one caveat with him is he's still technically a 2021 recruit. Everyone assumes that he will uh sooner than later reclass up to 2020 but the holdup there is you know again with this covid stuff he you know would normally need to take the sat he can't take the sat right now it's not being offered especially in his part of the country so uh will the ncaa be lenient and say you know uh, we're not going to keep you out of from going to college just because uh of something that's totally without or beyond your control uh if that happens which i assume it will um you know then he'll reclass to 2020 and right now i put nebraska right at the top of the board as the favorite to land his services. Now he's, he put out a top 10 a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, he's getting recruited heavily by the likes of Seton hall and Maryland, uh, and you know, some big time schools out East, but Nebraska again has that relationship. Not only, you know, does uh, Nebraska staff know Adama well, personally, they know his camp well and his fan, and the, you know, the people around him well. And so I think that ultimately when all said and done will be the difference between those others. You're listening here to the Husker online show. Now, Robin, do you think the roster attrition is completely done now at Nebraska? Or is there still some more? I know you said there's just one spot left, but could another piece still move to open up event potentially another spot? Yeah, definitely could. Um, if you uh, read uh, John Rothstein's little thing where he was doing a thing on Fred Hoiberg's transfer uh, success so far, he said that Nebraska only brings back two players from last year's rotation. Thor and uh, Ivan. So that did not include Kevin Cross and a call a rope. Maybe that was just an oversight, or maybe he knows something that nobody else does. But as of now, as we're recording, neither player is in the transfer portal. Neither player has made a decision on what they're going to do. Uh, and I think right now everybody's just kind of in wait and see mode. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen just with everything. Um, you know, if if Nebraska is able to add another player, you know, maybe <laughs> things will naturally short it or sort itself out. But uh, you know, as things stand right now, um, they would be full, but I would not say the door is closed on that by any stretch. It's amazing just how fast things turn with a guy like Cross, Cam Mack. I mean, there were points where like, wow, these are two nice pieces mm -hmm. to build with that look like they're promising. And then obviously then by the end of the year, I mean, Cross would play one or two minutes in a game and, Foul, yeah. foul three times, take five shots, and be. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, it turned quickly on a guy like Cross. Yeah, obviously Cam had his his issues, but with Cross, it was just inconsistency. And I think you look ahead. Um, probably the biggest concern with him going forward is that uh, you know there's just a lot more competition. He's not going to see the minutes he saw last year as a true freshman, and so a lot of guys that's hard to process. You know, you come in and have that big of a role right away in your very first season and then expect to have a reduced role off the bench as just kind of a rotation guy. Uh, that's you know, hard for guys to swallow. And especially in this era of just the transfer mentality, he'll have, if he were to transfer, he would have multiple opportunities to go play somewhere and play a lot. And that's just kind of the way guys uh, handle these these situations as opposed to taking a backseat. And I'm sure Fred and Matt are pretty good at telling guys that and, and saying, look, you know, like you, if you stay, your best case scenario is a couple minutes a game. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I think that's one of the things that when you operate uh, – 
in the transfer portal as much as they do, you have to be honest with guys. And because you won't have success for very long if you're feeding guys one story and then end up doing something else. So, uh, you know, that's something they're no strangers to. Uh, it's tough. And I know they don't like it, uh, especially Fred. I think it's probably the thing he likes least about uh, the college ranks. But um, in the end, you got to do not only what's best for you, but what's best for the kid. If the kid's not going to have an opportunity to play, you got to try to tell them you need to probably go somewhere else where you can. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to bring in Husker Online's uh, Grace Harmon, and we'll take your questions here in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, taking questions now in the mailbag, um, bringing in... Husker Online's Grace Harmon. Grace, thanks for coming and joining us here out of quarantine. It's always good to see you. What do you got to lead us off with? All right. Well, are there any positives caused by not having spring practice? <sighs> I have a hard time um, seeing very many positives. Um, you know, somebody brought up a point. Could guys that are injured and just players' bodies in general, the rest time be good? I mean, I think they get enough rest time as it is. So find one for me. I don't see any. No. There's not. That's your answer. Uh, you know, guy, sure, maybe somebody can't get hurt playing football, but guess what? Now he's having to figure out how to work out at home without any supervision from uh, a Division One, you know, strength staff and, and good equipment and good equipment. He's probably like lifting like bucket, nope. buckets of water on a broomstick or something like that. I mean, <laughs> I saw Divina Zigbo put two tires on a on a bar, a bar. and was deadlifting that. I mean, like so. Sure, you're not on the football field, and the, I guess the risk of football injuries are reduced, but you're also setting guys up to basically train on their own without any expertise around them. So that's I think just as much of a counterbalance there. And then to say that being away from the football program, away from the coaches, away from the facilities and all that stuff, more importantly, the way from the training table, to say that there's any positives from that, uh, I think is just ludicrous. Yeah, I think... If you are going to try and find a silver lining to it all, you know, I, I think you could make somewhat of a uh, argument that that this could be kind of a you know a rejuvenation of sorts uh, because I mean being a being a student athlete is a grind and, and going to class and going to treatment and, and going to practice and I mean it's a forty plus hour uh, you know at least uh, a week deal and and so maybe you know when it's taken away and and they're kind of able to to uh, you know take care of their bodies, take care of their mind, whatever. I, I don't know. Um, and, and sometimes you don't know, you know, how much you love something until it's taken away too. So maybe some of these guys are hungrier than ever uh, to get back at it. I, I don't know. I'm, I may be reaching quite a bit here. But if anything, that that to me could be somewhat of a positive. But overall, a definite bad deal. All right. And, Nate, what are the Vegas odds for Nebraska landing TJ Ballers? Bowlers. Ooh, the the Vegas odds <laughs> on landing TJ Bowlers. Um, I mean, I, I've got Wisconsin in the lead right now, and I think they've got a, a sizable lead in my, in my opinion. He just released his top six. Um, you know, if I were going to handicap that, I'd put Nebraska at probably plus two eighty, plus three hundred, somewhere around there. Not not terrible, but also not not great either. So. Um, but you know, that might be, that might be a bet to, to, uh, go ahead and put, put some money on because that could pay off some juice there. There's a little bit of juice there. Could, okay. Could, uh, that could pay off well in the long run. What do you got next, Grace? All right. Do you think in the wake of everything, will college football see more or fewer transfers this summer? Oh, I think it's going to be more just because there's a lot of guys sitting around with a lot of time to think <laughs> and. One thing you can do is you can talk on the phone and visit with lots of people. So um, there are probably going to be a lot of guys that just don't end up back at their school, um, you know, with, with where they go. One for us at Nebraska I'm curious about is J.D. Spielman mm -hmm. and that whole situation. I don't think many of us expect him back, but um, this thing even, you know, think, I was thinking about this too. Think if all this would have happened before you know they announced the Spielman thing like Nebraska wouldn't would never have even had to say he was gone I mean no. he was it was like a week away from being able to just kind of let it take care of itself with COVID-19 so I don't know I I think you'll see a lot of action this summer with transferring 
Well, you know, especially like we talked about guys being at home left with their own devices and um, being away from the program. I think that obviously kind of changes perception a little bit and um, makes you, uh, whether it's right or wrong, reevaluate your situation and think that maybe somewhere else there's uh, greener grass. But, you know, the other side to it is, you know, with all this, it's going to be Waver City with the NCAA. And, I mean, there's basically anybody that wants to move is basically going to get a free pass. And so that, I think, is going to play into it just as much as anything, uh, you know, just the fact that uh, the consequences are probably going to be as limited as they've ever been. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge deal. The other thing is, you know, academics. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys struggle down the stretch here trying to close out this semester uh, without the, the support of the academic uh, you know, resources that Nebraska has for all their no student doubt. athletes. I mean, that is huge. And so, you know, Dennis LeBlanc and, and that crew there, they do – as good a job as anybody in the country for for the student athletes at Nebraska, and with all these people, with all the athletes at home, you know, on their on their own, um, I, I think you know I wouldn't be surprised if there's some casualties uh, academically. Yeah, just tracking the grading will be interesting how that goes because I mean I assume Grace, I don't know if you talk to students. I mean a lot of the grading's the same right now for kids. I mean they'll still receive full letter grades and assignments. Yeah, um, some professors are kind of doing their own thing where they're saying where you were at in the semester, what your grade was. Like, if you're happy with your grade, we can end it there. Or you can keep, if you're not happy with your grade, you can keep doing the assignments. I've heard a couple different professors doing that, but uh, some are just the exact same. Interesting. All right. What do you have next? Um, what's your estimate? How long do you think it'll take players to get back into playing shape once the green light's given? I mean, I think... Two, three weeks goes a long way, um, especially with conditioning and, and whatnot. But you just got, I think you have to come to the terms that no matter what it will be, it probably won't be enough. Right. Yeah, and the fact that you're not having an entire spring and summer uh, to keep guys in shape and uh, there's going to be uh, some uh, acclimation that needs to go through there. And they're going to have to do it. It's going to go into the season where guys aren't going to go into week one at full football shape the way they normally would be. But – the good news is, I guess, is that everybody's going to be in the same spot where, especially like you mentioned, you know, there's schools like, like Indiana right now that don't even have a, an established routine. And that's one luxury Nebraska has is, you know, at least there's a level of expectation three now. and guys know what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of communication and all that stuff. So that helps, you know, at least sustain the, the bar. Whereas, you know, there are a lot of other schools that are trying to institute these entirely new programs uh, without anybody being <laughs> in the pro. Uh, on campus to, to be able to figure it out in person. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to take at least a month probably, um, you know, on average for a lot of these guys to get back into playing shape. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, you could be Alabama and have your entire team outfitted with, uh, with the Apple Watches and be tracking all of their <laughs> – all of their um, activity there. I don't know exactly how that's legal, but um, so they're buying Apple Watch or like they have so watches. The entire team has Apple watches. <laughs> team issued Apple watches. Team issued <laughs> Apple watches, and they're tracking everybody's. Well, Nebraska uh, wears activity. meters on their bodies, like for sleep well, and other things yeah, too. Yeah, the catapult deal during practice, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little different than buying than outfitting the entire team with Apple watches, but. Um, I digress. If I've learned anything, though, <laughs> through this, the NCAA can only regulate so much. A lot of it's institution to institution. And, you know, like Nebraska, they still have the training table open for grab and go. Um, anybody that has moved back to Lincoln that's paying rent on a place, they're back to a lot of those kids came back to town. And the weight room, to my understanding, is open again for small groups to go in and lift uh, under very, very heavily monitored, you know, environments. So, I mean, I think Nebraska is doing what they can within the rules. But, yeah, no matter what, it's not going to be enough. What do you got, Grace? All right. Have you heard of any players being forced to quarantine because of the virus? I have not. No. And I'm not sure we would. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I doubt it. If there was somebody that needed to quarantine or, I don't know, if someone was gravely ill, we would probably would hear about it somehow, uh, just with the nature of social media these days. But. I'm sure. I mean, I'd be surprised if there wasn't somebody on the team that was forced to quarantine. 150 guys. Yeah. I mean, somebody probably felt a little weird and maybe decided to stay home for a week. But I don't think there's anything like anybody getting hospitalized yeah. or anything like that. When we watch the the governor and the mayor press conferences, and when they announce the names, they never say who they are. They just say a man in his 40s. And, right. You know, they, they just leave it at that. So, yeah, from that point, you have to decide if you want to make it public. And I can't imagine too many people want to make that public sure. right now. No way. All right, what do you have for the final question? 
What's the thing you guys have missed most being in quarantine the past couple of weeks? I, I mean, for me, just going out to eat to restaurants and going to church. I mean, just things that you take for granted your whole life. I mean, think about it. I'm 39 years old and I've never not been able to go to church on a Sunday or, you know, not been able to go eat in a restaurant with my friends and family. You know, when we get done with the show, we could walk outside and have lunch somewhere if we wanted to. We can't do that right now. And so, I mean, I just think some of those simple things like that, going to a gym, a workout class, um, you know, my gym is shut down. Now. There's a couple that are still open, but mine has not been open since March, whatever. So, yeah, th- those things all really make it pretty tough. Yeah, all that stuff across the board um, and just public gatherings and going to concerts, you know, going to baseball games, especially now the weather's starting to turn a little bit. I mean, that was like one of the best things about spring in this state was being able to finally get outside after a long dreary weekend or winter. And now here we are uh, with uh, <laughs> all this time and nowhere to go. Yeah, I don't know. Probably the thing I miss the most is just having a little space and like normalcy to my schedule, uh, because now all of a sudden um, there's two adults working from home. Mikasa Sukasa. Yeah, instead of one, and then you know two kids under six um, that are trying to do school and whatnot. I mean, it is the schedule is is definitely uh, pretty crazy. What do you miss the most, Grace? Having a social life <laughs> and uh, going to the gym would probably be the. So let me ask you this. You're 22, 23, 23. So your age bracket, what are they like your Friday night, Thursday night, Saturday night? We know what they were like before this. I mean, like, I mean, are, are are there things going on still like on Friday night or does everybody kind of respect the guidelines and, and shut it down? Uh, I think I'd say it's pretty split down the middle. A lot of people are just self quarantined with like their roommates. So, I mean, even then it's, couple people they can drink with or have you know game nights with i've seen a lot of people doing zoom like happy hours Mm -hmm. and so they get like 10 friends together on like this little zoom thing and they play games over it so that's kind of fun um people are being pretty creative and for the most part they're respecting the guidelines but there's always some outliers what's what are things like in the town of hupper did i say it right no hooper (laughs) hooper 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 okay yeah hooper um I'm not sure. I haven't been back home since uh, probably beginning of March into February. Um, yeah, so it's a, it, but like things are shut down though across yeah. small town Nebraska yep, as well. Yep, Fremont is kind of more of where I'm from, I would say, and it's pretty shut down there too. All right. Well, thank you for coming in, Grace. Um, when we come back, we're going to close the show with some recruiting. Um, some big news came out as far as uh, Nebraska being in the finals for a couple of these. Uh, top targets, Nate Klaus. We'll give some thoughts on that here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. We're talking recruiting. But before we get to that, the segment, Nate, of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Yeah, Coogler Vision right now still shut down with the social distancing going on and and, uh, with the elective surgeries uh, being kind of put on hold right now. But you can go to CooglerVision.com, take a quiz, find out what type of um, you know, vision correction you qualify for. There's over seven different types, and and Kugler Vision performs them all. Um, and they're still doing uh, virtual doctor's appointments there too. So um, they you know they're still out there to help you with your vision. And uh, I, I know I couldn't be happier with how they've helped me. And I encourage you to go to KuglerVision.com to take that quiz. All right, Nate. Well, let's talk some recruiting. Um, it's been busy, um, and that's really been one of the only things busy in the entire college sports world around football is recruiting and um it's list season for a lot of recruits meaning kids are trying to narrow down their list of 20 30 40 offers to five to eight teams in most cases um we've seen maybe some top tens about there but nebraska nate made a couple of key lists let's start first with terrence lewis who you could argue along with thomas fedoni um, might be one of the highest valued targets on the entire Nebraska recruiting board. Yeah, Terrence Lewis. Uh, I mean, he's the number 19 overall prospect in the country. Uh, just you know, a couple spots out from being a five star. He's the the number one rated outside linebacker in the nation by rivals. Um, I actually think Nebraska 
would like him more as an inside guy. He's 6'1", 200 pounds right now, so he doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what they're looking for as that outside linebacker. Uh, but he's a playmaker. I mean, that's plain and simple. Uh, and I think he could probably project to a number of different positions. Um, but making his top six right now, along with LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Penn State, Texas A&M, A&M it's a huge deal. Um, and, and the Huskers, you know, they've been on him now for well over a year, and he's mentioned them uh, consistently. But I don't think anyone has really – paid much attention to Nebraska and always kind of thought that maybe, you know, maybe that was just talk and he wasn't all that serious. But um, while, you know, if I had to, to make a guess right now, I would say that he's, that it's going to be a very difficult poll, obviously. But I, I think Nebraska is definitely in the mix more than what a lot of people know or, or should, you know, probably give Nebraska credit for. Uh, and one of the reasons is, is, is Travis Fisher. And, you know, we saw what he could do uh, with all those guys out of Florida last year, especially the, those kids in South Florida. Um, and Nebraska has two of his teammates now that are going to be on campus and Ronald Delancey and Marcus Fleming. And those guys won an awful lot of football games together. Um, you know, Miami Northwestern winning three state championships in a row. And so, um, you know, he's got quite the bond with those guys and, and has played a lot of football with those guys. And so, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how the, the recruitment kind of progresses because he's in no hurry to make a decision. He's going to probably be stretching this thing out um, at least to December. And, and, and wouldn't be surprised if it goes all the way to the traditional signing day in February. So a uh, long time between now and then. Uh, but uh, I think you, I mean, you got to start somewhere and making that top six for Terrence Lewis is, is a really, really big deal. You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we talk recruiting. Yeah, Nate, I think the key with Lewis is let's just say official visits start up in June. Do you bring him in on campus hard for a June visit or do you play the odds and wait until September? It's, it, that'd be tough. Um, I would I would honestly I'd probably play the odds and wait uh, to bring him in. Um, you know, the, I mean, the thing that hurts so bad is that he was going to be coming to the spring game, and that would have given him on an unofficial visit, and that would have given him a kind of a you know a, a glimmer of what it's like on a on a true Nebraska game day, and and so I, I think that would have been absolutely huge for Nebraska uh, for him to experience that. And since he's waiting so long to make a decision, I think you, I think you kind of have to roll the dice and say, okay, um, we're gonna, we're gonna bring you in in the fall, and hopefully there's, hopefully there's fans in the stands, or hopefully you can experience a game and, and kind of get a sense for for what it would be like to play inside Memorial Stadium. Um, and you know that that experience would be a little bit more fresh in his memory, um, you know, leading up to when he actually is going to make a decision. All right, Nate, and another one dropped as well, also at the linebacker position, T.J. Bowlers, uh, just located outside of Iowa City in Amana there, um, pick, put Nebraska in his final grouping. Uh, I know we talked in our last segment, Wisconsin is probably the team to beat. Um, but, you know, once again, Nebraska in it with Bowlers. The question now is can they get him back again on campus? Yeah, that's the, the big deal. Uh, you know, it's Wisconsin, Iowa State, Northwestern, Nebraska, Alabama, Cal, uh, he's visited everywhere except for Alabama at least once. He's been to Nebraska as many times as, as you know any other school on his top six, uh, which is a good deal for Nebraska. You know, Eric Chenander has done a terrific job of recruiting him. Uh, Mike Dawson now now that he's the outside linebackers coach, I know he's been very involved and and has actually developed a, a good relationship with TJ. Um, and even Scott Frost has been, you know, very involved here, um, as he should be for a top 100 recruit in the country. And that's just, you know, uh, in, in the next state over. So, um, you know, they're in a good spot, but they are trailing Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Iowa State is, is another school. They were the very first to, to offer him. Um, you know, but the bottom line is that he wants to play in a 3-4 defense and he wants to uh, get a degree in engineering. Those are those are kind of the his top two things that he's looking for. Uh, and so and I think that, uh, you know, when you when you're looking at at the schools that are involved, they all kind of they all kind of meet that criteria. But who's going to be able to to kind of seal the deal? Well, he's got official visits lined up right now to Iowa State. Um, and Cal and and I think Wisconsin is g probably going to get one in June. So what you're hoping for is that either 
He can take a midweek uh, official visit in the month of June to, to Lincoln or that he holds off on making a decision until the season starts and uh, you can get him on campus at some point in time in the fall. And, Nate, we talked at the beginning of the show, glimmers of hope. And, you know, one, I thought, too, that really is a glimmer of hope for college football and recruiting is – we are seeing Nebraska schedule June official visits for June 12th and June 19th. Um, now there's also um, June 19th is technically the final June weekend on the calendar. Maybe they will extend, expand that and allow the 26th of June to be a visit weekend as well this year because of April and May being shut down. I'm, I'm assuming they will. And I think July could have some weekends open, but um, it seems like Nebraska is operating as if they expect June official visitors. Yeah, they're they're operating that way, um, you know, and and I don't know if they know something that we don't, or or if they're just being proactive and getting guys on the books. And, and I, I think that's probably what it is. I think they're they're probably just uh, wanting to get guys locked in for a date. That way, you know, if they do have to change the date, they can, you know, it's a lot easier to have a kid change a date from, let's say, June 12th to, to when, you know, to a different time than to try and lock him down for an official visit in the first place. Um, and so I, I think that uh, what we're seeing is, is they're being very aggressive in, in setting up those official visits. Um, you know, right now we, we've confirmed two for that final weekend in June, uh, which is typically – the weekend that you you kind of want to, to bring in guys, um, you know, right before that dead period. But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if they extend that out at least another weekend because um, these guys, you know, typically under normal circumstances would have been able to start taking their official visits on April 1st. Uh, and that would run all the way through the weekend of June 19th through the 21st. And so um, they're essentially losing out on two months of official visits in the spring or summertime. And so um, I, I'd be shocked if the NCAA did not extend it out at least a weekend or two, um, you know, from June or, or open it up again in in ju- late July or something like that. They're going to have to adjust the calendar in some in some way, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, the Huskers have been very very active in trying to lock guys up and uh, with a date at some point in, in June. And don't you think, Nate, if it gets to it, the you know there's the July dead period. I mean, it's probably going to be almost unanimous that that should be, you know, not as long. I mean, maybe maybe it's just one week or ten days versus an entire month like it is now because I think a lot of coaches are going to be pretty proactive like hey we want to have some of those July days back and by the way we've had a long dead period we've been home long enough I think our wives don't want us home any longer (laughs) yeah yeah it used to be the month of July was the only time you could actually go and and be around your family and and kind of recharge your batteries before the season but now a lot of recharging yeah yeah well these guys have been around their families a lot um their batteries are are as full as ever right now and so yeah I think that um, yeah, the NCAA is going to have to get creative with how they adjust the calendar and, and whether that's opening it the month of July up or at least part of July up for visits or in, in camps too. I mean, shoot, there's a lot of kids out there that are losing out on being evaluated this spring with a spring evaluation period. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the camp schedule in the month of June, um, if it'll be limited or, or what. But um, I mean, the bottom line is there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of kids out there that, that are not getting the eyeballs on them uh, for those evaluations that, that they were probably counting on. And so I think that they may even need to talk about expanding camp season on into the month of July at some point, too, if they can. All right. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition. Make sure you are logged on to HuskerOnline.com as Nate will have the latest in recruiting. Robin, uh, with all that's going on in basketball, and we'll be back again here next week. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 